Welcome to the Rude Growth Podcast, Episode 1, brought to you in partnership with Cued Design. In today's episode, we chat with Rick from Holistic Hemp Scotland, discussing his journey in the CBD industry and the need for companies to really push their digital marketing in 2019. What have you been up to? Oh, you know, this and that, we're doing all sorts of weird and wonderful deals with CBD and trying to push forward new products and all sorts of stuff. It's been a pretty busy start to the year. How about yourself? Yeah, it's been pretty busy here as well. I think I mentioned on the email, we're doing a lot with conversion rate optimization. So mm. we're sort of testing that out on our own business first. Interesting, yeah. And yeah, that's going really well. So we're just trying to work out how to package it up and then offer it to other people. Yeah, that's interesting, man. How long have you been working on cute design and stuff? Since 2009, but I learned how to develop when I was 15. And then I decided to go, I should build a business on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how I got into this. You used to run, is it Zudu? Yeah, so Zudu is an app development and web development company that I co-founded with a friend of mine. It's still running now, but I moved on to do other things. So we used to do like quite a lot of mobile apps, hybrid apps, uh, a lot of websites, quite a lot of SEO. And we were sort of touching on CRO and stuff as well, but we didn't get too far down that road before I went off to do other things. And now they're sort of specializing in helping brands launch in China. Yeah, I saw, I saw that on the website. So are you still involved in that as well? No, I'm not. So I exited that business, actually. I just needed to go off and do something different, mate. So my own story is I've always been a bit of a techie and interested in all that sort of stuff. And the reason I moved up to Scotland was actually to start a blockchain company. So I'm absolutely Bitcoin mad and have been since, well, 2012, we started messing around with Bitcoins. And my old man has been a developer since the days, you know, with punch cards and all that sort of stuff. And he was the one who first got me interested in it. Just like, this stuff, this is mental. I've never seen anything like it. And so we actually came up with this insane, uh, I mean, it's a brilliant idea and I still believe someone will do it. Uh, it was essentially a peer-to-peer gambling exchange. So like Betfair, but without a middleman. So allowing people to sort of place bets directly with each other without a middleman holding the money. And you can do these weird sort of M of N transactions where you can sort of do this decentralized digital escrow. Anyway, long story, but we thought we were building something pretty crazy. And then that, that kind of got put on the shelf. Just because, mate, I realized, you know, the gambling authorities and all this is going to be really hard to secure investment. I think we wireframed and came up with an amazing concept, but whether we would be allowed to do it would be another question entirely. So we sort of decided, right, okay. And a lot of people are asking us, do you want to build websites for us? Do you want to build apps for us? And we sort of fell into that. And it was good fun. I enjoyed that for four years. And then after a while, mate, it just got to the point, you know, I was building everyone else's dreams. I've always been interested in hemp and all that sort of stuff and had a chance meeting with someone. I was just doing a bit of blockchain consultancy for like accountants and investment companies and stuff like that. And then the hemp thing came along and I've been keen to get into that industry for a while. I ended up playing around a golf with a guy who was already in the industry and and then here we are, yeah. So you were working with blockchain like super early, really, because everyone sort of jumped in board over the last few years. It sounds like you were involved into it before then. Oh, man, I mean, back then, you know, the Bitcoins were 30 quid a pop, I think, when we were first picking them up, maybe even slightly less. Yeah. And, mate, you know, honestly, we were just interested in it from a technical perspective. You know, it's just so amazing how it works to sort of disintermediate banks like that and allow people to spend money peer-to-peer is, is a pretty wild concept. I just got obsessed with it for that. And, yeah, quite fortunate. You know, there was some big pumps and stuff like that, which has been great. 
I'm absolutely convinced that something quite quite interesting is still happening in that space. And there's a lot of hype, but there's an awful lot of bullshit. There's way too many scams and way too many pitfalls. You can lose your money. I was experimenting with it for about two and a half years. Maybe I got in just before the really big pump happened 18 months ago. And there is so much crap out there. (laughs) You would be, I would meet a lot of people and they'd be talking about all these different coins. Oh, mate. I couldn't even, I couldn't even work out what's the reason behind them. Like, it's amazing. So you get this coin and it's going to do facial recognition. I don't get it. Like, why is that on a blockchain what yeah i mean man it's like you know let's put bananas on the blockchain let's put <laughs> I, you know it's, it's, it's ridiculous but it's like the internet isn't it you know when everyone was sticking dot com on the end of everything you know vcs were throwing money around like idiots but you know we still have amazon and we still have google and, and we still use the internet and i, I kind of see it the same way right there's a load of bullshit and all of that will vanish eventually and we'll be left with with some really interesting yeah, I believe that as well. I think everything will turn out all right in the end and only the big ones will be left. Yeah, totally agree. But uh, who knows? It's going to be a long old battle because obviously, you know, there's some huge players, uh, you know, the banks and all this. Or, uh, you know, if you thought the internet was going to disrupt stuff, this, this I think has more than, you know, you know how when the internet came out, it's impossible to predict that we'd end up here. Yeah. I think it's going to be the same thing. You know, I think some people have big ideas and they're probably not big enough. I think the impacts are going to be crazy, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, people just messing about at the moment. So then you went for a round of golf and you were interested in the hemp industry. What aspects of the hemp industry were you interested in? Because... I'm on your website and you mm. actually offer more products than just like CBD oils and capsules and stuff. You're actually offering like textiles and construction. So what angle were you coming in with hemp? Were you just interested as a whole product or was there a specific area you were interested in? Well, look, you know, the thing about the current website is look, we are predominantly a CBD business. And we, you know, we explored a few areas like things like insulation. You know, there's a lot of things that hemp can do. Yeah, I mean, they build they build car bodies out of some of the materials and fibers they get from hemp and stuff like that. So there's so many avenues to explore. But my personal interest is kind of a, a bit of a personal story. So my my granddad, he's not with us anymore and hasn't been for a few years, but he suffered with a disease called hemophilia. Now, just to give you a brief idea what that is, basically, it's when you've got no hemoglobin in your blood. That's when it, your blood can't heal, right? Hemo- it can't clot, yeah. So you'll never form a scab, right? Yeah, I, so- I have that in a very mild version. Oh, do you? Interesting. Yeah, yeah so, so he suffered with that. I mean, it's, it's a crazy disease because imagine growing up and being a kid and, you know, you're trying to ride a bike and all of these things. Like if you bump yourself, you're in real trouble because blood never clots. A lot of people will think, oh, if you cut yourself, that's the worst case scenario in that. But actually, it's much worse if you just get a bruise because that's internal bleeding. But it never stops. So they just, you know, your limbs might swell and, you know, God forbid you actually get a knock to the head because you can get swelling on the brain and all sorts of horrible stuff. Now, he's the kind of guy where, like, he didn't really care that he had hemophilia. He just did whatever he wanted to anyway. I kind of like the way he did that. And he reached a ripe old age, thankfully, which is good. But, you know, along the way, because he lived like that, you know, he'd always be banging himself and all this sort of stuff. And, like, I don't know, man, he looked kind of like uh, a, bit, a bit of a Frankenstein by the end because they're taking skin grafts from his legs and putting them on his arm and all this. He's, you know, he looks all sewn together. Yeah, yeah. Now, what CBD and cannabis didn't do is obviously help his blood clot, right? But it can't replace hemoglobin or anything like that. So 
but what he was doing, this is this is way back before there was a CBD industry. He was buying quote unquote marijuana, the the full fat version of uh, cannabis, if you like. He was using it to treat his pain. And look, between you and I, you can see the difference in his quality of life immediately. You know, the guy's in a hell of a lot of pain, and this thing gets him through the day, allows him to enjoy his life, allows him to go fishing, still use his fingers, all sorts of stuff, right? So for my family and, and for everyone around him, you know, that's quite a stark thing to see, you know, that this this plan and the products that you can derive from it have always sort of been vilified. But when you can see the change in someone's quality of life, you, you really do think this is silly. You know, he's having to buy it from nefarious people, you know, that you wouldn't want to deal with and all that sort of stuff. And it, it's just got to the point where it's really daft. I mean, my first question to people is, where the hell do you think morphine comes from? Yeah. <laughs> um, Exactly. I've read a lot of, is it Johan Hari? He was on yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read uh, his book, Chasing the Screen. And you read about it all the time. It's, yeah. So uh, Charlotte's Web was named after a girl in Canada, I think it was. Is that yeah, yeah. And she that's was right, yeah. yeah, and that's what's interesting about our industry, you know. It's still difficult. It's still tough going. You know, we, we do everything, obviously, within the law uh, as it stands. It, it, some areas of the law are, are a little bit murky, you know, in terms of, like, how these products are classed and, and how they should be sold and, and all this sort of stuff. But you'd like to think the tide is turning. I mean, you know, the real shame here is, look, we, we, we have to be really careful. I couldn't talk to customers, for example, or market my business in any way, suggesting that there's any medicinal benefit to our products. And it's a weird one, mate. I mean, look, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I wouldn't dream of giving anyone medical advice. And then they certainly shouldn't be mad enough to take medical advice from me. But look, at the same time, you know, some of the calls we get from existing customers about how it's helping them and stuff like that. I think I think we're at this ridiculous point where everyone realizes that there may be benefits to these products in this plant. But we can't talk about it and we can't do advertising on facebook twitter uh stuff like that which uh you know makes business trickier and harder to reach people i think what interests me is you know i think the regulators at the moment they need to move because they need to make things easier and better for consumers you know i think there's a a problem here where we're not anti-regulation as a company you know we welcome it because the reality out there at the moment is that man you could go and google for cbd oils and Mate, it's a it's a crapshoot, right? You're either going to get a good quality product, or you might get stung and, and order some. There's not any education on what is a good CBD oil. Not at all, not at all. And you know, part of the issue there is that because the regulation isn't isn't there, or there's so many grey areas, it means I've seen instances of customers like you know buying a product from a a company and then actually lab testing it themselves and finding that you know possibly the oil says it contains five percent CBD. In fact, it actually contains less than one percent, and all sorts of weird and wonderful. Yeah, and 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 it's frustrating because look, we don't want the regulators to be heavy-handed to the point where they kill the industry and and stop people getting these products. That would be a mistake because it really is making a difference. But on the flip side, they they need to be more present and make things a lot clearer because that's how we clear up all the crap in the industry, right? And and all the people who are in it just to make a quick buck and stick CBD on any old label, you know, because it's in vogue or whatever, and, and they just want to... I suppose there's some similarities with blockchain in that regard. With all, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. with all the cryptocurrencies, it's not being regulated as such. And there's a lot of people just creating ones and then shipping it out. So I think from the inquiries we receive, 
so mm. far because we've only been doing it a few months. They're normally people who have vape shops and now they've decided to move into CBD, but they're not sure how to do it or where to start to begin with, I think. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, this is the other thing, you know, there's there's so much to this. I think one one thing I should explain about the industry is there's two two real kind of methods of creating a product. Uh, And one is from something called CBD isolate. CBD isolate is like a white powder, right? It's 99% pure CBD. So it's a compound, right? You know, you can put a little chemical structure and, and, and that's what that is. And you can just chuck that in a vape liquid or, or mix it in and that sort of thing. And that's one way of doing it. But we don't make products like that. What we do, we believe that, you know, there's more benefits to this sort of entourage effect from the plant, which is basically where there's terpenes in the plant, for example, like, you know, all the aromas and smells that you get from the plant. There's also more than one cannabinoid in there, you know, rather than just CBD, there can be CBDA, CBG, you know, and the list goes on. And from the feedback we get from our customers and from the research we've seen and the people we speak to, we very much believe that the plant has more benefits when it's got this entourage effect and you don't lose all of these other beneficial compounds from, from within the plant, essentially. And I think it's a bit of a minefield because don't forget as well, you know, different strains are going to have a different profile and a different set of terpenes. You may also have different crops from year to year. You know, you have slightly better weather conditions or slightly worse or slightly more or less rain and all these different things can affect the end product. But at the moment, no one I think is really taking enough time and care to really understand what's in the plant and and what it means. The goal very much at the moment feels like, right, let's stick CBD in anything. Uh, not too fast where the CBD comes from or how it's grown or how it's produced. Just get it in there and we can charge an extra tenner for the bottles. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem like what's going on. I've just been running through CBD companies, their mm-hmm. websites and stuff. And it, yeah, it just looks like they've just chucked CBD on some branding and they're just trying to shift the products now. And even when I, I was surprised to easily find companies will offer to create CBD for you and bottle it up. And I have no idea how legitimate that would be or how that would work. I mean, in some cases, it is legitimate. I mean, we do do some white label products for other CBD companies. So if you imagine there's there's going to be a whole supply chain there, right, all the way from the farm down to people, for example, who might have extraction facilities and can actually take the raw biomass and, and produce CBD products from it. And that sort of flows all the way down, all, all the way down to sort of, you know, your little health shops and, and, and your drop shippers on the online and stuff like that. And we sometimes help people create their own brands. So, you know what, it's very similar in many ways to sort of skincare. So, for example, you know, where you're good with the web and stuff, it would be relatively easy for you to just set up a quick website, start drop shipping a face cream, right, and get the branding all done for that and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of that, that that goes on, but we're extremely selective about who we will provide white label products to. Reason being, funnily enough, is that if I supply someone who then goes on to sell those products and that company makes medical claims about their products, I will actually get in trouble for that as well. I mean, there's an element of this, there's a huge demand for, for these products anyway. So we, we are lucky enough to be able to be a little bit selective about, you know, I don't really want to, I don't really want to provide products to people who you know sort of batch stuff up in their bedrooms i don't know how the products stored i don't you know because at the end of the day we're here to to, to get provide products that reach people who need them and, and i want them to reach them in you know a good state i want them to be stored properly 
you know, and I want to work with with businesses that are legitimate and set up and registered and paying tax. You know, there's way too much of the the sort of other side of this business that's there. So it's an interesting one, man. I mean, I can tell you sometimes I get phone calls randomly into the office. I mean, what kind of products I can sell that aren't on my website or aren't on my price list? What's in the back <laughs> office? They ask me. Is that um, true? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know what you think this is, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, they, they think you've got not... like boxes of weed in the back office and you're just sort of like squashing it, getting some oil out and bottling up the oil and then keeping the rest of the weed for yourself. Basically, they think I've got some super secret personal supply in my cupboard or something where I've got, you know, I don't know what they think. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Talking about other business, like people not being legitimate and stuff, there was... One company what approached us, and it's not for a website to sell CBD products, but it was actually to be the merchant in between to accept payments. Oh. And uh-huh. it was like, it's a massive issue for people trying to set up is how they accept payments and then get the money into their bank account with it, how it being shut down. Yeah. And mm. what I was interested in the email was they said, we are one of the only banks in the UK which um, allow CBD companies. So I thought, oh, that, that's super interesting. So I rang them up, arranged a call with them, and then they handled the payment on the website, and then they transferred the money into your account, which is their set-up bank account. As the conversation progressed, because I quoted them, I said, this guy told me how his boss decided that he wanted to create a bank. Well, it's quite a lengthy process, right? <laughs> you don't just decide to build yeah. a create a bank so I was like so he just set up a bank he was like yeah and I was like, that's quite complicated right like, well, well it's not really a bank it's like PayPal because PayPal aren't a bank and they're not regulated that's why they can withhold your money for 180 days yeah so I found that quite iffy that they were posing and saying that we're a bank and the fact is they're not a bank which means they could just like accept your payments and then one day they could say, oh, we're not too sure about your business and then we'll hold your funds. Yeah, you've you got to be careful out there with this stuff. So there's a lot of card payment processes that you might struggle to use, you know, like the major ones, right? And all these, like, forget it. I think as well, you know, more and more payment processes are coming online that are happy to deal with this, that I think are reputable. So, for example, uh, we, we at the moment use Viva Wallet. Yeah, I've got a call range with them next week. They're great. They've got uh, basically, I, I, you know, I got all sorts of quotes ranging from three and a half percent with a twenty-five pound a month sort of service fee, and then ten pence a click. It's pretty standard. Uh, other guys coming in at thirty pound a month and and three percent, and you know, they're all pretty much similar with a ten p transaction charge. But Viva Wallet uh, came across much better. They're two percent for debit cards, two point one for credit cards. There's no monthly fee and no transaction charge either. They're a little bit like Revolut as well in that you can get like a payment card so you can actually spend from it. It almost acts like a bank account. The only thing you can't do, which would be nice to get away from the banks, is set up direct debits and stuff like that. Uh, With Vivo Wallet, what happens? So you accept the payment on your website and it goes on to your like online wallet. And then can you then transfer that to your bank account? Yes, that's exactly how it works. And there's you know, there's a fee every time you do that. So obviously you're not going to go and transfer every individual pound. You, know, you wait until there's a decent amount in there, but it's only 2% on the on the transaction. Uh, I can't remember what the charge is to pay out, but, you know, 
it's it's a flat charge. It's not very much less than a tenner. I think maybe five quid, maybe less. I can't remember. But yeah, no, I thought those guys uh, those guys look good to me. They're pretty good rates. WorldNet TPS will work with you as well. Patriot is another one that will work with CBD. To be honest, man, it's getting more and more like these payment processors. They want a piece of the action. Like you know, some of these e-commerce websites are doing great numbers. Like they're, they're waking up and thinking. Yeah, it's a bit risky, but, you know, worth getting involved. And a lot of them, funnily enough, centralize a little bit, right? Because they know if they do their homework and they understand CBD, then they won't end up partnering with one of these companies that sells rubbish, you know, and that they could get in trouble with. Yeah, I spoke to a couple of banks as well. Because I spoke to, is it Starling? They're a new, a relative new bank. Have you heard of them? No, I don't know those guys, no. Yeah, Starling, so their bank account. And I think if you use the card overseas, there's an alt transaction fee. So I was yeah. interested in that anyway. But then another company told me that they would accept CBD payments. So I got in touch with them and they said they would have to review it on an individual basis. Yeah. But I gather you guys are packaging yourself as a health supplement. Is that correct? <laughs> That's right, yeah. And you might be aware of the uh, sort of legislation floating around the EU at the moment around the novel food thing. Yeah. So that that's, you know, that's one of the, the biggest issues we face at the moment is if they start classing these products as a novel food, which basically, is this a food stuff that people within the EU haven't consumed pre-1997? And if they haven't, then it's a, a novel food, a new food, right, is, is kind of the way they look at this thing. The, you know, the issues with that are if they do class it as a novel food, I don't think it, it shuts everything down, which is some of the scare. So, you know, a lot of people panic a lot about this stuff, but I think it just means there'll be more licensing requirements in terms of, you know, getting them safety tested and all that sort of thing. And we're a little bit agnostic towards it in the fact that, look, if they class it as a novel food and we have to go and do safety testing and stuff, you know, so be it. You know, I think a lot of people are, are sort of screaming and worrying about, oh, they're going to shut the whole industry down. I don't know. Personally, I don't think it should be considered a novel food. I think that's too far. I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest these products were consumed way before 1997. I mean, hemp's been around forever. But, you know, if they do that, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I get it, right? It's going to kill a lot of small businesses who just can't, you know, deal with the extra burden of extra testing and that sort of stuff. But on the other side, it'll get rid of a lot of people who, who aren't prepared to do the testing. So, to one half a dozen the other. I kind of hope they don't because it will just set the industry back further. And I know it means we'll reach fewer people. But yeah, those are the biggest things on our mind, really. And I think it has a knock-on effect, you know, like the payment processes are conscious of that, the banks are conscious of that. Certainly if you're trying to raise fund funding or get credit and stuff like that to buy products, you know, people are a bit nervous because you know you go and sink a lot of money into products and then you get told next week you can't sell them. That, that can be difficult. Yeah, yeah. Last week. I think they only just received this letter from the government or something. Have they right. just sent out letters to people? Well, I wouldn't be able to comment. So it could be the FSA or it could be the MHRA. The MHRA have sent letters to people in the past. They're the Medicine and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency. Now, those are the guys that are going to send you letters and, and take issue with you if you're saying on your website something along the lines of like, oh, take the CBD oil, it will cure your depression or... Basically, if you're talking about any kind of condition, whether that's fibromyalgia, cancer, depression, anxiety, whatever, if, if you mention any of those sort of conditions, then the MHRA are going to say to you, well, look, you're making medical claims. And because of that, you can't do that. You, you're not licensed to sell medical products. You know, 
and all that sort of stuff, which I agree with actually, because if they didn't do that, people make ridiculous claims. I've already seen them, you know, like CBD cures. Cancer. I mean, how anybody can say something like that, that CBD cures cancer. I mean, look, if they said, oh, it can help people with cancer, well, you know, maybe I'll be on the fence. But to say it cures it, it's like, well, that's just misleading and not accurate. Whereas the FSA, I think, are a lot more interested in the novel food side of things, you know, whether these are food supplements, whether they're foodstuffs. And well, we're members of the CTA, the Cannabis Trade Association. Yeah, I spoke to those guys last week as well, hoping to set up another meeting. Yeah, they're really helpful, you know. It's like a, a membership, sort of a trade body, if you like. And I think there's a couple of them. There's the CTA and there's another one that we're not members of. I can't remember the name of it. And those guys, like, are almost trying to lobby on behalf of all their, their members. Now, we haven't received letters from, like, the FSA or MHRA, I think partly for two reasons. Number one, we're quite well known for quality, and everyone knows we lab test our stuff, and we don't ever make any medical claims, never have, and certainly never will, not unless they change the regulation, and we have a doctor working with us who, you know, has the credibility to make such a claim. So we sort of stay under the radar. And I think the fact that we're part of the CTA as well probably does help that a little bit. I think some of these agencies are aware that if they approach companies that are part of these membership organizations, that they potentially have more recourse for pushing back a little bit and saying, you're going to have some people on your side arguing your case, you know, rather than just being, I think what happens to a lot of companies is they're a brand new startup. They probably don't know all the ins and outs. Maybe they make some medical claims or stuff that's a little bit close to the wind. Um, you know, and, and once you're on the radar, you're on the radar, unfortunately. It's one of those kind of things. Yeah, that makes um, sense. The guy yeah. in this particular example, I think he had his website built on Wix and he was taking payments via PayPal or something. And his hosting provider took him down, Wix took him down, and they all just banned him straight away. And then he got the letter through as well about his products or something. And I don't know what the connections are behind the scenes, but you wonder if, you know, there's something there that triggers that, you know, like Wix, close something down, maybe they have internal processes for like highlighting these cases. And you could understand why, right? Because if you're Wix, suppose you feel like you're next on the line of people using your software to sell stuff that's maybe not allowed or whatever, you know, maybe they take steps to cover their own ass. Yeah, by then getting in touch with the FSA. I mean, it, I, that's maybe a bit fanciful, but who knows? But like PayPal are not going to have any of it. Build your own website builders as well, because they probably just don't want the hassle. Yeah, so unfortunately it does happen. How did you build your website? What are you building your new website on? What did you choose? We're going to use a WordPress website with the bespoke front end, and we're going to have WooCommerce in the background. Yeah, because I saw some people have been hit by building their websites on Shopify. So we yeah. specialize just in WordPress and WooCommerce. So that's ideal for this industry. Yeah, and I mean, the old website leaves a lot to be desired. The, the new one should be an awful lot better. It's kind of, it drives me crazy every time I look at that website. We do actually get a decent amount of sales through it, but it keeps me up at night thinking how many sales we lose because that website is really... I don't know, maybe maybe I'm working in the industry, you know, the web industry makes, makes you a, a bit of a critic, but at the same time, you know, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but like when you land on the homepage, you know, it's talk about building materials and also, I mean, I don't think it's useful. Well, I've literally gone through, we have about 200 CBD companies to get in touch with, 
and I've marked them all whether uh, like a blank color means like they need everything doing branding website doing it's just crap or mm. like their logo is good but the website's not good so I really like your logo because mm. everyone's doing the sort of futuristic blocky CBD logo yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. by that like the futuristic font it's very sharp and hard logo You've actually got some yeah. branding behind your company, which looks good. Yeah, and I think, look, there's certain things about the brand I love and certain things I don't. I think the website is not e-commerce focused enough. I don't want to lose that sort of personal touch to it. But at the same time, like we need to, you know, this is a business. We need to be putting products in front of people's faces. I think it's not laid out well for SEO and stuff like that. I think the menu systems are <laughs> shocking. But, you know, we're working on that. And I think the new websites can be really good. But one thing I'm really keen to start doing soon as well is the current website doesn't talk enough about education. It doesn't tell people enough. You know, we've got two kinds of users, I think, that land on our website. People who know what CBD is, they know what they want. They fly straight through to a product and they buy it. And then you've got the others. And I would call these people, uh, you know, who are discovery users, right? They've never really come across CBD before. They're probably looking at your website and a few other people's website. And the thing they want first before they want to buy anything is just to figure out what on earth is this? You know, what's the difference between paste and oil? What's the difference between capsules? And what the hell is a concentrate and shatter? And what do I do with all these things? So I really want to push that a lot harder. You know, we're taking on people to do a lot more marketing and blogging. My ultimate goal, mate, as well, would be starting to do like explainer videos, like animated explainer videos, like what is CBD in two minutes? What is THC in two minutes? What's the difference? You know, that sort of stuff. Just content series. I mean, it works, right? It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You educate people with decent quality content. You know, paid advertising is great, but I love organic traffic. And it's one of them, isn't it? You can pay a social media expert to tell you what time to post. Oh, 4 p.m. is the best time to post for your industry. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, but all of that is trumped by if you make a shit hot video that people want to watch, yeah. then they share it and they share it and they share it and they share it. So want to be very, very focused on content. We're going to work with our suppliers and stuff like that as well, get a lot more shots and videos about plants, everything. But, you know, it's great. It's easy to talk about all this stuff. You know, it creates a long, long to-do list. Yeah, that's what we do June, but it definitely pays off by creating content. And I think taking a look at so many websites in this industry, no one's really pumping out content or explaining what's going on in the industry, becoming a knowledge base of like, oh, you want to know more about CBD oil? Oh, go here. You want to know about CBD taste, what it can help with, what it does, go here. And there's nothing like bite size. And if you've got a resource on a website that's explaining that and you're shifting the products as well, then you're going to be onto a winner. Mate, this is the thing, you know, I want to do like multiple videos about how do I take the product? I mean, yeah, man, there's so much. I could come up with a hundred videos just sitting here right now about things we could talk about. And yeah, I'm with you, mate. I, I don't understand why no one's done this. Uh, so I've got my Austin gear. I'm planning to be the guy who comes and solves that problem first because yeah. it's, it's going to be a first mover advantage, right? The first guys who start putting out this quality content are going to establish that reputation. And we've already got, the reputation for the quality. Now I think, you know, we just need to up our game online. Uh, you know, we need to up our game in terms of just processes and stuff, you know, growing pains for a new business. You know, you do everything manually and then you just start automating slowly but surely. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, just yeah. a long journey, but you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. I, I see it, you probably saw it as well, uh, being in the design industry, but so many people come to you with a good idea or a good concept and you build the website or the app and literally the execution from that is rubbish and they just don't do any marketing, they don't create any fresh content and it just leaves their idea dead in the water. And right now, you, there's a, a handful of really good CBD companies, but then no one's executing or creating this content. I think it's a, it's a weird one, mate. It seems obvious to, I think, people like you and I in the industry because we know where traffic comes from. We know how Google works and we know, you know, it's all about interaction and engagement and that sort of thing. And I think maybe it's just a case of like, it's a fairly new industry. And I think, you know, people might have a lot of experience in products and stuff like that. But it, I think I think there's a real gap there in, in, in those kind of skills. So, I mean, between you and I, if you're, if you're, business was thinking of trying to help companies solve those problems yeah i think there should be work out there right because so many of them need a bit of help but at the same time you know look if i was if i was part of cute design one of the things i'd be thinking of is i'd go away and i'd come up with like a really distinct package for cbd companies you know that takes them from, from a to z and make it simple for them to understand you know what i mean like one thing i learned is you can blind people with science with seo and cro and all that sort of stuff it's just keeping it simple like i don't know come up with a 10-step plan for them and say like you know it contains this 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 and this get a sign off and go and do it because if you create the content you know that the results will be there, I think. And then they're going to think that you guys are the absolute dog's bollocks, right? And then you can start charging good money and, and be that digital agency for this industry. You're exactly right. That's I've been given that some thought the last week or two. So we're creating some blog posts, what's going to be a knowledge base, why you shouldn't be using Shopify for your website, for your CBD, mm. payments, merchants you should be using and why. There's not a lot of traffic right now. It's more of a long game. So CBD web design agency, I think from the top yeah. five in the UK, because there's just Great. no competition. Yeah. So the aim is just to start pumping out content. And I was thinking of packages of just offering the website, obviously a startup or redesign of your current website, getting mm-hmm. you online, accepting payments then offering another package for content creation. So blog posts, because that's really worked well for us for driving traffic. And then mm. third one would be conversion rate optimization. So it would really depend where your business is at in the process. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause some people are going to be at different stages and stuff like that. I mean, what, one, one thing my experience told me about working in a digital agency has been so careful not to give my time away for free. I'm sure you get this a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, mate, don't even get me started. That's part of the reason I don't do that anymore because clients drive me crazy, you know. They want a moon on a stick and they want it yesterday and they want it for 10 quid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tough industry to work in. It wears you down thin. <laughs> it wears you down really thin. Yeah, I mean, I think partly it's because you need to keep feeding the beast. You need to keep winning new work. For us, the thing that really took the pressure off that was building, you know, these recurring revenue streams of SEO monthly retainers and stuff like that. And also, you know, apps were quite good for us for the the retainers of sort of, you know, looking after the apps and stuff like that. You might have a little bit of a challenge getting people to understand what value you add, because I think a lot of them are not very savvy with with web stuff. You know, I think I think if you get a couple of people working with you and show the results 
just say, look, I help this company sell 20% more oil. Do you want me to do the same for you? <laughs> They'll understand that, you know? Yeah, it's about just getting that first one underneath the belt. There's to start off, I'm not sure if you checked out our blog post about um, our services for CBD, but we just created a design for our own business, just uh-huh. one up. And now we created the website. I'm thinking, shall we just sort of edge a little bit further? We've got a logo. Shall we get product mock-ups made? And then how about we check out if we can get our own oil made? And then eventually, as we're doing the work anyway, because it's going to be invaluable when we're talking to people who want to start up in this industry, we could even have our own little small business doing it. Absolutely, mate. I mean, that's the thing. I think to be successful in the CBD business, it's a bit of a game of who do you know? What I mean by that is like, look, so, you know, you've got the vast majorities of skills that you'd need, obviously, to set up an e-commerce site, right? That's your bread and butter. And the challenge that you're going to have if you want to start shipping CBD products is just finding reputable suppliers and kind of relying on their expertise a little bit, right? Because you'll want to have lab tested products, you'll want to have products that you know, you're confident, you know what's in them and that sort of thing. But, you know, once you get into it, that's where most of the time is sunk, actually, is building those relationships. I mean, we spent God knows how much time, like, trying to find brand new farms in the EU, little artisan hemp farms that no one else has found, where we discover, like, you know, new products that no one's seen before or biomass that's higher quality. And our edge really is, you know, we know where to find it. And we've spent years now working on those relationships. So, yeah, you know, that's the kind of the final piece of the puzzle. So if you start working with people who can solve those problems for you, there's no reason you couldn't do it. If you came back to me and said, Rick, right, I've set up a website. I've got my labeling and my branding and all that sort of stuff ready to go. I could furnish you with white labeled CBD oils, paste syringes, even jars of honey. The honey, by the way, they're about to release is insane. Um, it's really, really, really good. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd give you all the lab tests, the weighted information for the edibles. You go off, you sort out your own labels. You can knock your website off, off your uncle, you know, you're, you're off and running. I'd be super interested in doing stuff like that because, yeah, the experience is going to be so good. And as you said, building businesses for other people, you're always working on stuff for other people. And this is an industry I'm actually interested in. So it actually gives a bit of like enthusiasm to be working on something rather than working on other people's businesses. May not only that. I mean, I got I got out of the the web game a little bit just because you know I'm starting to see things like we made most of our money on apps and stuff. But some of these Indian companies before they struggled to compete with us in quality. But starting to see that change now, and and you know sometimes man, I, you get sick of trying to compete on price. You know they're saying oh. You know, this guy says he can build this app for $10,000 and you've quoted 45 grand. What's the difference? <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's a big difference. But, you know. Yeah, I explain to the clients now, the cost comes into that is uh, project management. Because as soon as you go and use an Indian company, you have to project manage them, which is yep. an absolute nightmare. You have to tell them exactly what to do. And people don't realize that. And then that's no. why their website and their marketing comes out rubbish is because they don't have the experience of doing it. Yeah, so I've yeah. had quite a few companies come to me. Do you know a Web Creation UK? Rings a bell. They just churn out the websites, but we got three of their clients last year came to us and they literally sell you the website and then they just put you in touch with the Indian developer. <laughs> it's outrageous. But then the price they're paying is like £500 for a five-page website. 
and they've got to manage it themselves with an Indian developer. It's just going to be such hard work. <laughs> so, I mean, they're just salespeople, aren't they? I mean, you know, stack them high, sell them quick. You know, there's an element of with these clients as well. You've got to say to them, like, look, you know, 500 quid, what do you really expect? I mean, what can you buy for 500 quid these days? Like, yeah. they don't understand, I think. Yeah. Like, look, we'll, it's 2019 everybody shops on the internet including you this is your shop this is your shop front and you're only going to spend 500 quid on it there's a misunderstanding here of how important it is there's such a, a gap of knowledge what people just think they can shove anything up and they'll make money from it and it's going to be okay being on the internet really bad yeah and for me the, the, it's, a, it's a mindset thing if you think your website is a cost a business cost instead of an investment then you've already made a mistake if you're trying to penny pinch you should actually be trying to increase your budget for web and digital stuff because you should return money do you know what we got to the point where if we found we had to explain that to clients they weren't the client for us you know yeah that's a really good way of looking at it. so i now try not to do meetings i keep meetings to a bare minimum are you actually based in scotland yes yeah so uh, i'm based just outside of dundee Right. So for the last five, six years, I've actually been living remotely. So I manage everything from wherever I am. So right now I'm in Mexico. Oh, nice. And I've been here for two months. I was in the US and then like next week I'm off to Bali. So I'm working constantly, like full hog at everything, but I'm not coming back for a meeting. <laughs> Come yeah. back. Even when I'm in the UK and so can we have a meeting? I'm not sure what the budget is. I'm not sure if we're going to go ahead with the project. I'm not coming to have a meeting with you just so you can talk about your project and then not even be bothered mm -hmm. moving forwards. Oh, mate, we started charging people, like, for not for web stuff, but for app development stuff. They'd be like, right, you know, first meeting's free. Uh, come in for 40 minutes. Tell me quickly what you're trying to do. And then they'll say, right, can you come back and give me a price? I say, well, look, we'll have to do a lot more meetings for me to spec this out for you and come up with a price. Like, that's a lot of work. So we were charging like two, two and a half, up to three grand for ideation sessions just to say, look, you know, that's what it costs for us to sit down, you know, have two or three meetings with you, collect all your requirements and then spend a few days. You know, there's a, a handful of people that will look at that a little bit each and it costs money. Actually, yeah. It's the fastest way to find out if someone was actually going to put their hand in their pocket because... Oh, mate, I don't know if you do apps, but that's the worst because, oh, mate, the amount of people who sat in front of me and said, Rick, I want to make an app. I said, brilliant, I can help you with that. It's, right, it's a mix between uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Snapchat. <laughs> my first question is, what's your budget? Because it's not 20 million quid out of my office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, uh, we uh, don't do apps. We did have one fall on our lap a little while ago, and we passed it on to another company. And it did go through, but I know it's been a pain in the ass for them. They started it nearly 20 months ago. And it's trying to deal with the client, I think, has been an absolutely nightmare. They always thank me for that one. Yeah, yeah. oh, mate, well, I, I'm sure every developer, like, we had some absolute shockers as well. But, yeah, yeah, you know, it's one of those, isn't it? I think you've definitely got the right approach. Like, you know, doing what you're doing and, and being able to be anywhere in the world sounds amazing. And I think looking back now, that's one thing I wish I'd have learned quicker was I gave away way too much of my time to people who were just wasting it, you know, and if you don't value your time, no one else will. Are you heading to the conference this weekend, uh, the exhibition? Yes, I am, yeah. 
I only really only found out about that too late when I've already had prior arrangements, but I will be going to the one in July. Great. Without Great. Time. Yeah, we'll be we'll probably be at both or at least one of us will. So yeah, yeah, I'll be there this weekend. Where are you based, brother? Oh yeah, my living arrangement. So <laughs> I will be coming back in April. When I'm in Europe, I tend to live in Spain, in Barcelona. So well, Barcelona in a town called Javier. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. And so I live normally over there during the European summer and spring. And then I attend conferences with people who are location independent and have their own business entrepreneurs. So mm. they have a different conference in a different country each month of the year. So Bangkok's the big one, and that's in October. So then that's when I'll go back to Asia and then I want to come travel around South America a bit more. But it sounds like I'm just like traveling around, <laughs> but I'm working really hard too. We have a team of developers, a team of designers. We have a support infrastructure, project management infrastructure. So yeah, everything's full time. We host and manage about 200 different websites. Yeah, so we only specialize in WordPress and WooCommerce. And right now... I'm trying to concentrate more on the CBD industry, creating these articles, creating this content. So maybe people aren't finding them right now, but I'd say six months, a year down the line, people are going to start searching, like what's the best platform to set up your CBD shop on and how do I have oh, yeah. payments for CBD shops? And I'm going to have all the content there already. And that's partly why I wanted to speak to you. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Just like you said, you want to do explainer videos. I want to speak to more people in this industry, see what's going on. Because I see as well your website. I was doing a bit of research. I found uh -huh. you initially on the um, Trade Association. But on another website, you're in like the top 10 for CBD companies, best 10 brands, 2018. Yeah, do you know what, as, as well, you know, there's not been enough focus from our business on the online stuff. And I need to reach out to those guys and, and speak to them because we, we weren't aware that they'd done those reviews and stuff. I'm not sure what process they go through to, to test that or whatever. I assume they bought some oil or something. Oh, but yeah, we love that sort of stuff. It's, it's rather detailed about your product, about how you make it, and then they've taken it and reviewed it. It may, it may well have been actually before I was working on this business, but yeah, what I think is like there needs to be loads more stuff like that, like guest blogging and doing things together and that sort of thing. And, you know, not in that spammy SEO way where you just you know, like let's just link to each other for the sake of it, but like even like you're saying with the podcast and the blog posts and that sort of thing. There's no content. There's just no content at the moment. So, yeah, let's get into some. Like, I'm not interested in selling websites, but I mean, you can talk about it, have an interesting chat. You know, and I don't mind people learning from us about, you know, well, we use this platform because we can and you can't use that one. I mean, yeah, I'm all for saving people time and money because it's an industry where everyone needs to support each other because we've got enough headwinds and the potential industry is massive so we just need to make it legitimate rather than trying to compete with each other just yet you know yeah, nothing there's... wrong with healthy competition <laughs> and there's plenty of room for everyone to exist as well at the end if you're a good company then you're going to survive and you'll be okay from it Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And your lifestyle sounds crazy. You know, that really appeals to me, actually, that sort of digital nomad lifestyle. Uh, and, you know, even with Holistic Camp Scotland, I wouldn't mind pushing this business in that direction because being a digital guy, I'm slowly automating as many things as I can. And there's not really a good reason why I couldn't run this business for anywhere in the world. I need to do a few things here and set up a team and stuff here first. But yeah, really appealing, mate. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way of living.
Oh, well, that's, yeah. that sounds good. Thanks for taking the time to talk. It was, it was good. Great to talk to you. Enjoy yeah. the rest of your day, man. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of Rude Growth. Check back soon for episode two.